God, we stand on you. Our rock, our redeemer, the rock of ages, our life, our hope. And God, we really do say that. Lord, we need you now. We need you in our lives to overcome the sin, to overcome the things in our life that we are no no or not of you, to overcome the the sin nature that we struggle with as we long to fulfill our purpose and what you have called us to do. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today. God, we, we know that we need you in our life. We need you in our homes. We need you in our marriages. But, God, we also need you in this world. And we live in a world that has continued to walk away, to turn away from you. And so, Lord, may we just stand on your truth and show people with great grace your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Morning. How's everybody doing? Woo-hoo. Are you? Woohoo! <laughs> hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to James. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you know I did preach out of this text. Uh, a matter of fact, we started the book of James uh, two weeks before COVID happened. And for those of you who don't realize, um, James is about dealing with trials, right? The, the, the people were scattered. They had been persecuted. They had a, a number of things that had gone on. They had been dispersed around. And uh, so we're going to be in James chapter 3. Go ahead and uh, if you can turn those lights on, okay, just the sanctuary lights. We're going to be in, in James chapter 3. Um, and I'm going to talk to you. We're, we're obviously continuing our, our foolproof series. We're talking about uh, living with wisdom in a world of chaos. And last week we talked about having the wisdom of God, right? And we said that the, the, the cross of Christ was the wisdom of God, which the rest of the world said is foolishness. And God said he chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and he chose the, 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 the weak things of the world to show his power. And that's what we see in the cross of Christ and Jesus' death on the cross. Today, we're going to be talking about what we're going to say is words of wisdom. That's the sermon title. How do I live with words of wisdom? Now, if anybody has ever said a negative comment, maybe you've said some things that you wish you wouldn't have, right? Nobody's ever done that. Every husband's like, nope, never, never. Um, we, we were making fun of myself this past week because uh, my wife a long time ago, and she loves to tell everybody this, um, <laughs> I'm probably going to embarrass her with this, but she came in one day, she had some shorts on, and I was like, wow, your butt looks really saggy. <laughs> and every wife's like, how could you? And what I meant to say was, like, she had, like, her pants were too big is what I was trying to say, but it came out way worse, obviously based upon that conversation or that the laughter at that point. And my wife was like, I don't think you meant to say what you just said. At which point I went, wow. And here's what I've learned with words, right? Like about the time you say something, you're like, could I lasso that real quick before it hits the ears of the person that's, that's like, we've all been in that situation, right? You say something and you realize either how stupid it was or how arrogant it was or how prideful it was or, or even how hurtful, right? 
And, and maybe it's with anger, maybe it's with frustration, maybe it's, maybe it's things like that. And what, what I want to look at today is we're going to look at James, and we're going to jump to, to Proverbs. We're talking about living with wisdom, and we're going to look at what James says about words, and we're going to listen to what Proverbs says about how we should speak. So again, James chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, I want you to follow along. Obviously, words matter, uh, but we're going to jump into this. Listen to what he says. Matter of fact, if you want to, you can stand with me. I'd like to have you stand with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can read along uh, with me on the screen behind. We we'll encourage you. James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Listen to what he says. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I have to clarify this because when I say stupid stuff from the platform, I'm kind of like, man, wow, ouch, right? But listen to what he says. We all stumble. In many ways, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, I'd love to be that guy. But listen to what ends up happening. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so very large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise... The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man, say no man, no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce Fresh water. He may have a seat. And as you do, I want you to think about this. We said this. Words matter. What I say matters. What I say to others matters. What I say about myself matters. As a matter of fact, I would even venture to say that if you struggle with who you are, oftentimes we struggle with who we are because we listen to the words of outside people who are telling us how we should be, how we should act, how we should think, and things like that. When we have to get to where we live with wisdom and listen to what God says, not what others say. Matter of fact, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever noticed how your words affect your attitudes, your emotions, or your behaviors? Your own words, right? Like, as I sometimes speak, if I'm kind of fired up or I'm, I'm, I'm ready to roll, like I've, I've told you, like, like if I continue to speak about certain things, I, I, I create a, a more burning, intense, combative nature inside my heart at times because of the words I'm speaking. As a matter of fact, I'll even say it this way. I think the words you listen to, whether it's music, media, TV, things like that, also can do the same thing. I mean, heck, all you got to do is watch people lash out because somebody said something, somebody did something, and things like that, whether it's media or whatever. Words matter. But I also likewise want to say that while, it's, while I can look at the words and say it matters to me, it matters to everybody else. Have you ever thought about the words that you speak and the attitudes that it portrays to other people? When you speak words of negativity, of, of hate, of vengeance, of, of ungracefulness, of, of, of no mercy, 
words without any sort of love or truth, what we do is we create attitudes and behaviors and thoughts in other people's lives as well, which then creates a chasm in our relationship. And so I just wanted to look at what does God say about words? How do I live as a person who has or speaks words of wisdom? See, the crazy thing is, it seems no matter how hard we try to control our tongue, at times it gets out of control, right? Like, I mean, I'm like, okay, control your tongue, control your control, control your tongue, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I didn't mean to say that. And then you have to backtrack, right? I've got to ask for forgiveness. I have to, or maybe you don't ask for forgiveness and you just think, well, this person needs to get a little bit tougher skin. What we say matters. As a matter of fact, the words we speak have the power to release life or death. I, I was thinking about this, and obviously, I love Toby Mac. I'm a huge Toby Mac fan. But Toby Mac, about 10 years ago, came out with a song called Speak Life. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's like kind of this name it, claim it type, you know, that when, when bad things are happening, you speak life to those things. But I am a, I'm a firm believer that the Bible says those types of things. That the Bible says, listen, what you think and what you say matters. Even what you say about your current situation or circumstance in life, it matters. Like, we can unpack that in so many ways. I mean, we could honestly, matter of fact, in 2016, I did a sermon series called Words um, that, we, that we use. It. We spent four weeks talking about our words, and you think you're going to, this is just one sermon, so I'll let you off on that part. But um, Proverbs chapter 12 says this, reckless words pierce like a sword but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words pierce like a sword. And so here's what I want you to think as you play this out. If you're not willing enough to grab a knife and stab somebody in the chest with that knife, then you shouldn't do it with your words either. Does that make sense? Because your words can be just as, as, as demoralizing your words can be just as hurtful as if you were to hurt or kill a person, attempt to. That's the idea. It literally goes to the heart. When I use my words recklessly, it pierces like a sword. It, 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 it attacks the heart of the individual and what they have. And so it's important for that. Why? Because the tongue has the power of life or death. You know, if your foot slips, you can always recover balance, right? Sometimes. I mean, some of us can. Some of us can't, right? But if my foot slips, I can oftentimes recover balance. If my tongue slips, I can't necessarily recover my words. I don't have that lasso, right? It's been heard. It's been said. It's been spoken. So we have to do it. And listen, here's one of those things. Our words reflect our heart. What we say reflects what's going on in here. Our words reflect our heart. Now, over the flow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And many times our words reflect an attitude of unbelief. We don't believe that God is good all the time. We don't believe that we need God. We don't believe that he's merciful and, and just and righteous and right. Our words reflect what we believe. And so listen, out of that overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and we have to begin to understand or ask this question, what or how do I control the words? How do I speak with words of wisdom? So here's the main idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. The words we speak should speak life and truth, not hurt and heartache. Now, let me clarify. Sometimes truth does hurt, but truth 
in the context of the way the gospel lays it out, speaking the truth with grace and love may hurt for a little bit, but the reality is will lead to a restoration. Okay? So please hear me out. We're going to balance this statement, but the words we speak should speak life and truth, not hurt and heartache. So James was very optimistic in our own ability to control the tongue, right? No. James is very pessimistic. Like, he's like, dude, you can't do it. You can't tame it. All kinds of wild animals can be tamed. Like, I think about wild animals. We're not talking dogs and cats, which we all know cats can't be tamed. I love my cat, but dadgummit, that thing is crazy. Um, All kinds of animals have been tamed. But again, reminding us that no man can tame the tongue. But what we'll find out as we jump into this is this, that God tames what man can't, that God can do what man can't, that when God gets a hold of our heart, when we give Jesus control of what we say and how we act and what we do, that God can change those things from what used to be to what should be. So here's the truth of the tongue. I'm going to give you five or four things that we're going to look at in James, and then we're going to cover five things on how to speak or how to change my speech in my life. Number one is this. Here's the truth of the tongue. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. Think about it that way. A rudder on a boat is tiny compared to the size of the boat or the size of the ship. No matter what it is, it's a small little thing. Matter of fact, I, I remember at one point, look, and I used to know all of this information, but on the USS Nimitz when I was on Navy, 1,115 feet long, 18 stories high from the very bottom to the very top, not counting the mast. And then we had two rudders with four propellers, four props, two, two rudders. And the rudders were 29 feet tall and 22 feet wide. You're like, well, that's huge. Not for a 1,115 foot boat. But that rudder controlled the direction that the ship went, didn't it? Just like a bit in a horse's mouth is the same thing. And the tongue is disproportionately powerful. Your tongue can control your strength and your direction. It can speak words of life or it can speak words of death. There is no coast guard out there to rescue you from the storms of your tongue that it can cause. It's not going to happen. If only our tongues were made of glass, think about it this way, if only our tongues were made of glass, how much more careful would we be to speak? Like, think about it. I remember my mom going, I'll wash your mouth out with soap. Anybody ever been that? It's the worst thing ever. Stick that bar in your, like, kids don't get it nowadays. I don't even, like, bars of soap have kind of vanished, right? It's like, here, suck on this. It's like, oh my gosh. But imagine if it's like, stick your tongue out, I'll break it, and it just shattered. Like everybody would be like, oh, I don't want to do that. The word or the tongue is disproportionately powerful, and we begin to see how this plays out. Look at again what he says. We put bits in the mouths of horses, we can turn the whole animal. Or to the ships, although they are large or driven by strong winds, they're steered by a small rudder. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but makes great boasts. And then it goes on and it compares it to a forest fire. How a small spark can start a whole forest on fire. We're kind of experiencing, not necessarily here in Kansas City, but there are areas in the United States that are experiencing the forest fires that are going on in Canada. 
This has led to the cancellation of soccer games and baseball games and, and bad air days and things like that, all because something got started with a small spark. And likewise, listen, just like in your life, you can use words that will start a fire that can get out of control pretty darn quick in your relationships, with coworkers, with your family members and things like that. And it's important for us to understand that the tongue is disproportionately powerful. Number two is this, that the tongue is inherently evil. I don't have to teach my tongue how to speak negatively towards other people. Matter of fact, I say it this way, that the tongue is ground zero for chaos. I mean, all of us have been there, right? And what's our first attempt? Somebody says something to us, and what do we want to do? At least, what do I want to do? Oh, yeah, I'll put you here in your place. And it's words. Like, I'm going to make you feel... <laughs> I say this like... I, 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 I watch stupid people. Let me, let me clarify that. Like, I look for stupidity in people. I'm, it's just my nature, all right? Maybe it's slapstick. Maybe it's the fact that I'm like, who the, what? Like, why? But then when stupid people do stupid things, I say stupid things. Anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about? Like, so the tongue is inherently evil. Because I'm going to make a negative comment about somebody because of something that they did. And listen, our tongue's default setting is to destroy, not to build up. Like that's the common nature of the tongue is to tear down, not to build up. It's to, to destroy, not to, not to encourage. And so it's important for us to play that out. It's important for us to think about it. Why? Because the tongue is inherently evil. Never trust your tongue. Matter of fact, I want you to think about it this way, because I've seen people who are hurt, and I always say it this way, hurt people hurt people. And when you've been hurt by somebody else, what's the first nature or response usually? To hurt back. Somebody says a cross word to you. Somebody says a negative word to you. Somebody says an attacking word to you. What do you do? In defense, I attack. And in attacking, what I end up, end up seeing or end up showing is that the, the tongue is a problem. And so I said this, never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. Why? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When my heart is hurt, I never trust my tongue because when my heart is hurt, I'm going to say things that are inherently evil. They're going to lead me down a wrong way. Be careful with your words. Why? Because once they're said, they can never be for, forgiven, or they can never be forgotten, but they can be forgiven. But your words hurt. Number three is this. James lays it out very simply. The tongue is untamable. We kind of talked about that. The only way that you and I can change our tongue, can change our words, is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I want to be very clear on this aspect for us to understand. He says, with the with the tongue, sorry, all the, all the birds, the animals can be tamed, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. The only way to tame the tongue is through the power of Jesus in your life. Christ died on the cross so that you and I could be free from the sinful life, the sins of our life that we so easily are controlled by. And in order to control my tongue, I have to be led by the Spirit day in and day out. I need to spend time in His Word. I need to spend time in prayer. When somebody says a cross word, I have to learn to hold 
my emotions. Anybody struggle with that? I struggle with that all the time. Like my first response is, boom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at you, right? You came at me, I'm coming at you. And I have to learn to tame my tongue, but I can't do it in my own power. I do it with the power of the Spirit. I used to sit around, and I've used this before. I used to sit around and listen to my grandfather and my dad uh, speak about all kinds of things. A lot of times it's finances because they owned it. My grandfather owned his own business, then my dad took it over and things like that. But I remember thinking about how wise my grandfather was by listening to him. But I also learned this, that my grandfather was very slow to speak, which James lays out. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But when my grandfather spoke, you listened. For all the old people, you know what I'm talking about, because E.F. Hutton, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. But when my grandfather spoke, it's not because he had all kinds of words in every circumstance and every situation, but it was because when he spoke, the words he spoke came with power, they came with grace, and they were very full of wisdom, biblical wisdom from that standpoint. And so listen, if the tongue is controlled there's a tendency in that person to be self-controlled. Why? Because I control the tongue under the power of the Holy Spirit who gives me self-control. So number three is the tongue is untamable. Number four is this, that the tongue is in conflict with the heart. The tongue is in constant conflict with what's going on in the heart. See, with our tongue, we praise or sing praises to God, and with the same tongue, we curse men. So here's the aspect of what's going on. We'll come in and we'll sing on Sunday morning and we'll spend time in worship. We'll talk about how good God is and we'll talk about how gracious God is. We'll talk about all of these things and we sing about them and and it's, yes, it's the truth of scripture. And then we walk out the doors and what do we do? We talk negatively about people. We talk down to people. We mistreat people with the words that we speak. We, we, we use negative comments and, and attitudes towards them. And listen to what he's saying. He says, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's image. Now, it's important for us to understand this, that God has created all of humanity in his image. But that image is broken. It's fractured. It's shattered as a result of sin. And that's why Christ is the image of the invisible God. And he came to show people that there's a way to bear the image of God. Why? Because we're called to be in Christ's image or to bear the likeness of Jesus to the world. And my question would be this, do your words bear the likeness of Jesus to the world? Because here's what I'm venturing would happen. If we ran into a woman at the well in Independence, Missouri, there would be some negative comments. Or what if we ran into the beggar at the gate who needed life-healing words where, where, where Peter and them are coming and they said, listen, we don't have any money to give you, but what we do have, we're, we're going to share with you. And they shared the gospel with them. But I'm venturing to tell you this, that oftentimes our words are negative towards those types of individuals which then my question would be, is that what Jesus would do with his words? Please hear me out when I say this, that Jesus never compromised truth at the sake of of letting people do what they did. Jesus always spoke with truth, but he did it with great love and with great grace. And listen, so the tongue is in conflict 
with our heart because our heart knows, should know what's right and correct. If we're under the power of the Holy Spirit, if we're, if we're saved, if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, that God is working in us to, to create a, a tongue and a heart that, that is going to proclaim and glorify Him and not look down at the negative things that these people are doing. But oftentimes what we find is that our tongue is in conflict with what God wants to do in our heart. So here's my big thing. We're going to wrap up with these next four. We'll go fairly quickly. Sorry, next five. How do I change my speech? Number one is this. I have to learn to guard my heart. You know what we talked about? The heart is in conflict with the tongue. I have to learn to guard my heart. And what I mean by that is this. What do you put into your life? What do you allow to influence you? What do you listen to? Who do you follow? What do you watch? And listen, I'm not big. I, I am not a legalistic person. It's like, man, you can't be watching all these types of things. But I am a firm believer in this, that if you're consistently and constantly watching things with negative actions, negative words, and things like that, you begin to live it out. It's natural. All you got to do is look at social media. And I see Christians lose their ever-loving minds over politics. Why? Because we filled our brains with a bunch of junk with political opinions from people who aren't even necessarily believers. Sure, they're right-wing or left-wing, and they're blah, 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 blah. But what we do is we fill our minds full of a bunch of, of, a bunch of junk from these people, and we don't guard our hearts. Because listen to what he says, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. The older version says this, it's the wellspring of life. In other words, from my heart comes the life in my body. It comes the bubbliness of my personality. It comes the truth that God wants to lay out. The heart, when I guard it, the wellspring of life is from that. And so I have to guard my heart. In order to speak words of life, in order to speak words and change my, my, the words I speak, I have to guard my heart. Listen to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees at this point, and he tells them, yeah, listen, in this, Jesus had a lot of hard statements for, for the Pharisees, but he calls them, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I go right back to what I said. If you're a person who struggles with words, negative words, attacking words, angry words, frustrating words, words that are free from grace and love, then you have to understand you've got to start with the heart. When I talk about the guarding your heart aspect, the only one who can guard your heart is Jesus Christ. The only one who's going to change your mindset and your perspective of your heart is Jesus why? Because he cuts away everything that you don't need. He removes the stuff. He says, I got to get rid of it in order to change you into who I want you to be. And Jesus wants to change our hearts to get rid of the chaos and the evil and the sin so that we can speak words of life. That's number two. How do I change my speech? I have to speak words of life. Listen to Proverbs 16. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Now, if I was to go around the room and say, how do you want to be spoken to? I think every one of us would be, man, I just want encouraging words. I want somebody to be truthful. 
When I step out of line, let me know, but do it with grace, right? But encouraging words is what everybody wants to hear. And I'm not talking about filling you full of a bunch of hogwash and smoke and making you feel good. When I'm talking about just being encouraged. That when I speak, I speak words of life and I focus on the positive things and I think about what God is doing. Jesus gave us the word of, of life in his son and we're called to show and tell Jesus to others. Every word we speak should point right back to Jesus Christ on the cross and then his resurrection as our Savior. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says this, Reckless words pierce like a sword, which I just referenced, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So when I talk about the speaking words of life, listen, the tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. So when I use my words wisely, when I speak with a carefulness, a caution with my tongue. I can bring healing to others' lives. Your words you say could push a person further down the road of depression or it could push the person closer to Jesus. How do you move? How do I change my speech? Number three is this, to encourage daily. Now, I have to cautiously say this and I preached this a while ago, and I had one of our, our members who's no longer here um, come up to me afterwards. I'm not good at encouraging. I'm terrible at encouraging. My wife would even tell you that. And I don't know why. Maybe it's a hard personality. Maybe it's the fact that in the military, it seemed like only time you ever got encouraged is when somebody wanted something. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, I'll tell you how good you are just so I can get something better out of you. Right, which creates a callousness to a certain extent of, of encouraging words. So when I hear encouraging words, and I, I'll even tell you it this way, when I hear people tell me, oh, that was a great sermon, like, it's hard for me because in my mind, the, the wheels are going, yeah, you're just saying that, just, you're blowing smoke at me, right? And so, like, I, I try and always tell people, hey, thanks, you know, and in my mind, I go, man, if they just live it out, then that's the best encouragement I'd ever get, right? And so, please... Please don't, please don't feel attacked, right? Here's my words. I'm, I'm speaking. But when you walk out today <laughs> and you say, man, that was a great sermon, I'm not, I'm not attacking you. I'm just telling you, I struggle with encouragement. But here's what the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 13. It says, but encourage one another daily. Matter of fact, it goes on just a little bit farther. It says, as long as it's called today. Well, today is today. And tomorrow will be today, tomorrow. And so I'm supposed to encourage one another. I'm supposed to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm supposed to encourage others. And listen to why he says that. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When I speak words of encouragement, it changes the trajectory and the perspective of the word I'm dealing with day in and day out. So I have to encourage daily. And that's a struggle. And it's something that can over, only be overcome by the power of the Spirit. I have to build others up according to their needs, not my wants. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, and, and, and I want you to think about it when I say this, because here's the fourth one, all right? I want you to bite your tongue. <laughs> you ever heard that statement? 
Like my mom sometimes would say that, oh, you bite your tongue. But the bite your tongue has to be something that a mature person does. In other words, I have to learn to shut up, at least in my life. Proverbs 10, verse 19, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. When I learn to hold my tongue, I show wisdom in the circumstances that I face, that I learn to speak only when the proper time or setting is in. Proverbs chapter 13 says, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Learning to bite my tongue in certain settings has to be a natural thing because the Holy Spirit should say, (laughs) right? Stop. Don't be a dummy. And I oftentimes think how many times the Holy Spirit has been like, "Mm, no. At which time I'm like, "Mm, oh my gosh. And it hurts, right? At times you're like, I I just got to get it out. This person needs to know, right? You ever use that statement? They just need to know the truth. Listen, that's me. Like I told you, this is my, you need to know the truth. Maybe they can't handle the truth, right? (laughs) Maybe the fact of the matter is I'm not the one who's supposed to speak the truth to them. Or maybe it has to be at a later time where the circumstance or setting is different so that they're more attentive and I'm not so rude. I have to learn to bite my tongue. And here's what's crazy. I bite my tongue and I use a word of an encouragement. Here's what happens. When you're a person who encourages others, encouragement doesn't just go to the person that hears it. Encouragement is heard by everybody else. Listen to what he says, going back to Ephesians chapter five. Don't let any unwholesome talk, or I mean, sorry, Hebrews chapter three. says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. When I bite my tongue and I use words of encouragement, I bite my tongue on the negative things and I encourage somebody on the positive things, it says it benefits those who hear what's going on. When you're a person who encourages others and other people hear it, that encourages them. All I can tell you is this, that when I'm around and somebody's getting praise and encouragement, it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. Maybe, sometimes. Sometimes in our world, it's like, well, that dude's just a suck up. But the reality is, when you are getting encouragement, other people are also encouraged. Encouraged to do better, encouraged to work harder, maybe to even be people of encouragement. And so learning to bite my tongue is of utmost importance. And then the number five thing, the thing that if we want to speak or change our speech, we have to do this. We have to speak with grace and truth. Colossians chapter four, I'm going to flip there just so you can read it. Colossians chapter four, uh, verses five and six. And it's one of my favorite verses um, that I've used in the past. Uh, But listen to what he says. It says, be wise, wise in the way you act towards outsiders making the most of every opportunity. Now, here's what he says. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, here's what I'm talking about. I can speak with grace and truth, 
And when I've done those previous four things, grace and truth always comes differently. I've looked at encouragement. I've sat on the sideline and I've bit my tongue. I've, I've done a number of things. I've guarded my heart. I've learned to speak life. And when I speak with grace and truth, everything else has changed. Because listen, correction and confrontation must be handled correctly. Because if we don't handle it correctly, all we're going to do, listen, when words are many, sin is not absent. So when I don't respond with grace and I don't give in to truth, I don't speak life, then oftentimes what I end up doing is I run headlong into using my words that lead me right into sin. And I don't speak the words of truth or the words of life that God has called me to do, but rather I speak hateful words, hurtful words, and things like that. I'm I'm just going to say this, and I don't know who the individual was, but I can tell you that it hurts that we got a negative comment towards one of our pastors on a prayer request thing a couple weeks ago. And I hope you know if you're in here in this room that we love you. But the words you said were very negative. And what I also want you to know is this. Then I went to our pastor and I said, man, don't worry about it. The person's got a heart problem. And while you might sit there and go, man, I can't believe you're calling that person out. I'm going to call that person out. Because I want you to know that our words matter. That my words matter towards you. If I was to get up here and tell you how bad all of you were and never give you the word of encouragement and the gospel, then all we're going to do is set ourselves up for failure. Why? Because you're going to feel like you can never measure up, which, listen to me, we can never measure up. But at the same time, that's why Jesus came, because we can't measure up, but he does. And the words of encouragement is this, where you and I fall short in our words, Jesus comes into our heart and radically changes our life, which gives us words of hope and grace and life so that I don't have to be overwhelmed by what's going on in the world, that I can speak words of encouragement, truth, and not listen to the death that's going on, not listen to the hatred that's going on, and begin to guard my heart. And as I guard my heart, I live that out day in and day out so that the words I speak aren't about Brian Grout, but the words I speak are about Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way the world is going to change. Like we can complain about politics, we can complain about crime, we can complain about all of those things and all the negativity, or we can say Jesus is the only answer and he's the only way that's going to overcome. And so I speak grace and truth with the love of Christ because he loved me and sent his son for me. And so I can speak with great grace and great truth knowing that Jesus wants to change me from the inside out. Listen, Warren Wiersbe says it this way, truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. So do we have to speak the truth? Yes. But we speak the truth with love. We have to guard our hearts against the schemes of the enemy. And I want to keep this in mind as we continue to walk into a a climate and a culture that says we don't have room for truth. We don't have the room for the truth of the Bible. We overlook all those things. I want to speak this out and let you know that where the world says you don't measure up, you don't matter, God says you do matter. And the only way you're ever going to measure up is through my son, Jesus. That's the hope. It's not a hopeless gospel. It's a hope-filled gospel. 
It's not words of condemnation, right? John 3, everybody knows John 3, 16, but John 3, 17. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so how do I overcome what's going on? How do I speak with words of truth? The only way you're going to speak with words of truth and with words of grace, the only way you're going to change your speech is to change what's going on inside of you. And the only person who does that is Jesus. And so I say this very carefully and very cautiously. When I talk about biting your tongue and guarding your heart, what you put into your life is exactly what you're going to get out of it. A dark heart speaks dark words. A hateful heart speaks hateful words. A merciless heart will speak merciless words. But a grace-filled heart speaks grace. An encouraged heart speaks encouragement. A loved heart speaks love. See the contrast? You see the difference? And yet at the same time, think about this, how oftentimes grace-filled, loving believers can let our words blurt out. And it's because the, 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 the tongue is hard to tame. But Jesus can do it. That God can change it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope and the mercy. We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that, God, you would change our hearts and minds, that, God, we would even begin to look at what it means to guard our hearts. God, I think about the things that we fill our hearts and minds with, whether it's movies and media, and I don't don't tend to want to go down a legalistic road or a road that says I should or shouldn't watch certain things, but, God, I also know that the things we listen to The things we continue to fill our hearts and our minds with are the things that we oftentimes repeat or say, believe about ourselves. And so maybe today there's somebody here who who believes just a lot of negative thoughts about themselves. Maybe they had parents who who were very negative. Maybe they had, you know, people around them who spoke negative things about them, the things that that didn't make sense, that they, that they could understand your grace and your love, that you made them in your image. But sin has led to that image being broken. And we know that Jesus is the only one who makes us a new creation, who restores and makes the old brand new. God, I pray today that each one of our hearts would be changed. That, God, we would guard our hearts. That we would look where we can encourage and challenge each other. That we would speak words of life, not words of death. That, God, as long as it's called today, we could encourage. And that, Lord, we would keep a tight rein on our tongue. And yet at the same time, speak with grace and truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.